I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. All right, just like Southern Miss fans during our preseason power rankings or April snow in the Midwest, we are back with the Underdog Podcast. How you like that intro, boys? <laughs> Perfect. That Underdog is Podcast. what we've been waiting for. My name's Joe Broback. I'm hosting this time because none of these guys can do it. Okay, just kidding. Joe just made me do it, and that's the only reason why I'm doing this. I'm your host, Joe Broback. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Broback. My usual host, Joe Serpico, is with us as well. Say hello to the friends. Hello, College Football Nation. And we're going to be on the other side here. Yeah, flipping rolls today. I like that. Uh, And we are blessed to be joined by our Conference USA podcast people. Uh, First, we have Eric Henry going on guys thanks for uh, this momentous occasion uh come together perfect and mr kidoba himself joe londrigan hi i definitely don't have food in my mouth right now <laughs> for uh because you guys probably don't know we were uh critiquing joe's manners which were very good by the way and uh some of us agreed with his choices at qdoba and some of us disagreed but that's neither here nor there so we are going to do a special NFL podcast today. Um, we're going to start with Conference USA. We'll move on to the AAC, and then we'll talk about uh, a few other people from the Sun Belt and even the FCS level. So uh, I'll just start with a question to lead Joe and Eric into their conference. Um, is there a player in Conference USA that will go in the first round? Joe, I'll let you take the lead because I normally am talking over you on the podcast. <laughs> um, no, you're fine. Uh, I'm going to say no. I think the top prospect in Conference USA is uh, probably Devin Singletary. And I think he's, he's I think he's a solid second or third round guy. But um, I think Eric would agree with me that he's just like the most NFL ready player in that league. Perfect combination of size and speed. Um, you know, had some issues last year with that FAU offense, obviously. But the year before that was just tearing dudes up. Um had a solid enough showing at the combine, so I think uh, I think he's definitely going to be the guy that uh, is the most likely to like get significant playing time in the NFL right away. But I don't think he's a first round pick. So quick about him is so his catches dropped off significantly last year. Was that because of the offense or what? What happened with that? His catches? Yeah, he had like six catches player? last year. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that quarterback spot was definitely not as, like, dependable as it was the year before, um, you know. And if you listen to our podcast, we just kind of got done talking about um, Chris Robinson having issues on top of some of the other younger guys that came into that program. Um, 
But to, to answer your question, yeah, there was there was some inconsistency at the quarterback spot. So I think if you go back and look, pretty much everybody's catches dropped off a little bit. Yeah, I'd go ahead and disagree with with uh, with Joe there as far as uh, Devin Singletary, in my opinion, definitely be the the first conference USA player selected. I think Nate Davis from Charlotte, who was a guard, with a very good pro day, uh, would be right behind him. But all in all, uh, Singletary should be the first conference USA player selected. And and to answer the question about the catches, that's a point that Jake Ullman made on, on our podcast as well, is that with the inconsistent quarterback play between Chris Robinson and some of the other guys who played, it, it just was a matter of the offense as a whole didn't function like it did uh, with uh, Jason Driscoll there. So that that's really what kind of attributed to his, uh, his production out of the backfield as far as being a receiver um, going down. That's what uh, you can attribute that to. All right, so I can kind of jump in here with my question about Singletary. And then uh, he ran a 4.66 at the the combine, and I know that kind of scares some people off. Um, can you guys give us maybe a, a little bit of update? Has that number obviously gone up since his pro day? And do you either of you think that that is going to hurt his stock? Because, I mean, if I remember correctly, that was the slowest time at the combine as well for a running back. I don't know about if his time – I don't know if his time improved at his pro day. Uh, I, I haven't taken a look at that in a couple of days, so I don't remember off the top of my head. But in terms of just his overall ability, I think what you got to remember with him is, you know, he's durable, and I think that goes a long way in the NFL. Um, I mean, you see guys that just have quickness but don't necessarily have, like, the build to take hits day in and day out. Um, like he does, but I think just his whole complete, you know, package, I guess, is better for, you know, it's a good NFL fit, and I don't think that the fact that he ran as a kind of a slower 40 time at the combine should scare too many people off, but, you know, I get how NFL scouts think, and that happens sometimes. Yeah, once again, you know, I'll just kind of co-sign what Joe said there. As someone who saw Devin Singletary twice in person uh, with the UCF game and against FIU. The 4.66, I mean, it's not great. It's, it's not, uh, it's, it's not bad either. I mean, I know Elijah, Ho- uh, excuse me, Elijah Holyfield from uh, Georgia ran like a 4.85 or 4.9. So at least you're not, you know, in that kind of territory, but here's the thing about Singletary. He is quick. Um, he ran away from the FIU defense. Now, it, you know, to play devil's advocate, there weren't too many running backs who didn't run away from the FIU defense this year. But with that being said, he definitely is faster in pads. I think he's very shifty. That will help him uh, maybe offset some of that, the the 40-yard uh, dash time. But one thing about him, like Joe said, he has a great compact build, so it's hard to bring down. And he is really shifty. So that, that uh, the 40 time shouldn't really be an issue. Who else are you guys looking forward to seeing – come draft day or like the day one or day two Joe, you want to take the lead it would on be that? awesome if jack fox squeaked into day two i'll say that <laughs> uh yeah for uh for rice if you don't know jack fox um probably the best punter in the nation um just based on like form and and all that and he was also rice's kicker for a little bit but i think he's going to play mostly punter in the nfl um but yeah, this guy's getting like uh, comparisons to like Michael Dixon already. So I think he'll he'll find a place in the NFL if if someone's looking for a punter. 
Um, but obviously that's super uncommon. So I, I would say look for him to get drafted, but uh, probably not on day two, maybe day three. Yeah. Once again, I'll, I'll co-sign with Joseph there as far as Fox. I, you know, I think he's obviously one of the best punters in, in not only Conference USA, but in the nation. So I don't think he, he'll be a day two pick, um, but he'll definitely get drafted. Two of the guys who I think will get drafted, uh, or actually three, Tyree Brady, Nate Davis, and O'Shane Zimenez. Uh, the person who I think out of that group will get drafted uh, directly behind Devin Singletary would probably be O'Shane Zimenez, just because there's a premium on pass rushers in, in this day and age as far as the NFL goes. And he's someone who just had over 35 sacks. I think it was 37 sacks to finish with his career at Old Dominion. So he's, he's a proven pass rusher, uh, pretty athletic. I mean, he's not going to wow you as far as speed, but he just knows how to get to the quarterback. Uh, quick note on Brady and Davis. Uh, Tyree Brady started his career at UM or finishing up at Marshall. And he's got that prototypical wide receiver size, you know, 6'2", 6'3", 210 pounds, really solid build, uh, ran a 4'4", 4'4", 9 at Marshall's Pro Day. So he's someone you should probably look for to get drafted. And same thing with Davis. He kind of came out of nowhere uh, at Charlotte. Um, when I was at FIU's Pro Day, I asked Anthony Johnson, who's a defensive tackle for FIU, who's one of the toughest linemen he ever faced in his career at Conference USA. And the first name that came out of his, out of his mouth was Nate Davis. So he's a guy who, once again, maybe not day two, but, you know, somewhere in that third, fourth, or fifth round range, uh, you should probably see Nate Davis go off the board. Now, I want to ask you, I mean, we kind of talked about this a little bit off air, so I guess I just want to bring it up now. Um, Eric kind of mentioned the one guy that you guys felt maybe got snubbed out of an in, well, he was originally invited, but then they kind of retracted that, and that is uh, Louisiana Tech's Jalen Ferguson. So I don't think there's any argument that he's going to get drafted because we've seen plenty of plenty of these guys who've had incidents in their past like this. I mean, the first one that comes to my mind is Joe Mixon. I mean, he, and he went all the way up in the second round, and that was on video for everyone to see. I mean, Ferguson's just literally came out of the blue trying to do a background check, which was it kind of you know, was a little bit awkward, let's be honest. So what is your guys' assessment on him? To, really quick, to compare the – and I'm not saying you are making that comparison. You know, it's just probably the first thing that comes to mind. But uh, to compare the Jalen Ferguson thing to Joe Mixon, that's like apples and oranges. You know, we all know what happened with Joe Mixon as far as, you know, him punching a woman on camera. Uh, Jalen Ferguson got in a fight at McDonald's when he was a freshman. And I'm, sure, nice. yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, between the four of us, we've been in a fight or two, you know, uh, even Lander getting up there in Pacific Northwest, I'm sure, you know, he's been in the rager once or twice about a debate about Pearl Gemma Nirvana or, you know, Dave Matthews band. So, I mean, it happens, you know, you can't. No, mine was at a McDonald's too. They, the, the McFlurry machine was broken and I just went apeshit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to see if they messed up this Cadoba order. <laughs> all right, oh, I'm making a decision. We're no longer doing separate podcasts. They're all they're always doing four people on podcasts. This is great. Works with me. I mean, just to finish up that point really quick. I mean, Ferguson, like you guys mentioned, he'll get drafted. But the the background checking. I mean, dude got in a fight at McDonald's. I mean, you know, bleep happens. So it's it's not like he was, you know, it, it, it was a egregious offense. I, I mean, I agree. As a player, he's, you know, it was arguably, well, not arguably, he was the best defensive player in Conference USA last year. So, I mean, some team will, some team will give him a shot. I mean, 
like you mentioned, far from the worst defense we've seen an NFL player commit or whatever. And it was several years ago. So I think, you know, he'll he'll find a home somewhere and he's definitely got the the natural ability to compete for a spot. Just don't let him go to McDonald's, right? Yeah. I mean Don't let you go Wendy's to McDonald's life, either. Anyway, but <laughs> Well, right. Yeah. Wendy's for life. <laughs> All right. So who who else are, on day three or maybe even uh, an undrafted free agent? Who who else are you guys uh, going to be watching on day three? Not that many people watch day three of the draft, but who will you guys be paying attention to on day three or after? Probably Aziz Alshair, just because like he had a good enough playing career, but like had that brutal knee injury last year. And I mean, on one of our more recent episodes, um, we we talked about how the re-injury risk is definitely there. Like we've seen it happen in the NFL before. So it's definitely going to be hard to kind of bounce back and get into the kind of contact that you need to as a linebacker in the NFL. Um, but I mean, if he can, if he can stay healthy, then that'd be great. But, you know, I can't see too many teams um, – you know, being that high on him, seeing as he hasn't been able to do anything lower body for a while. Yeah, I think Joe's a little higher on, on Aziz Alshire than I am. Um, I think he's just one of those guys, and this isn't to diminish his career. You know, some guys can rack up the tackles in college and doesn't really translate to the NFL. You want to add on to that to injury, so I'm not necessarily as high on him. I, I think he'll be a, a free agent. But um, Malik Gant, safety from Marshall, you know, there's always room for uh, defensive backs who can play in the box and also kind of play the pass and Malik Gant was able to do uh, both of those things during his career at Marshall and uh, Travis Fulgham from ODU. I mean, he had a nice uh, senior bowl and I didn't even think he was the best receiver on his team. To be honest, I thought John Duhart was better, but um, I think those two guys, you know, you may see them on, on day three, day four or uh, uh, UFAs. Joe, you got any more questions for our fellows here? Not until a little bit later. I've got a particular. All right. Well, if you two have any more, go ahead. You got any more uh, guys to talk about? Go for it. Otherwise, we can just flip to you guys and start with your questions. I mean, I can easily turn this into the FIU podcast, and I wish I named you know all seventeen guys (laughs) who should be drafted, but. Uh, I'll spare you guys the the sake of the uh, of the pod. So yeah, we'll we'll, ta- we'll talk to you next week, Eric. Then. <laughs> <laughs> no, guys, I'm uh, I, I'm good on this end. All right, what you got, Londrigan? You uh, you finished wiping the the case off your mouth to ask a question, or should I go first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Uh, I'll, I'll cede my time to you for this first part. <laughs> <laughs> of course he will. Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to be in for it when, uh, when we get off this call. Um, now, I, I guess we'll just we'll start with the obvious. Uh, Ed Oliver, um, he's a name who has been, you know, much ballyhooed uh, throughout conference football, excuse me, throughout college football through his entire career. Uh, what's the deal? You know, I mean, is, is he – I see some, some mock drafts kind of – having him going in the 10 to 15 range. And to be honest, I just think, and, and Brobacks made 
uh, a lot of points about this as far as his actual agility, you know, his work in the shuttle, that I think he's definitely a top five talent. Uh, so I guess a uh, two-part question. One, where do you guys think he'll actually go? And two, um, what is, would be the hesitation for a team with, with uh, Ed Oliver? Joe, I'll defer to you since you are our Houston guy, and then I'll follow. Well, I, I've been saying that he's he's a top five talent, and he is, but we, as we've seen in the NFL, that doesn't always mean that they go top five uh, just because various teams have various different needs. And when you have guys like Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa that are also in the draft, like that pushes probably pushes him back. So I think he'll probably go top 15. If we're being realistic, I think the biggest thing that I've seen with him is people are worried about his size. I think a lot of scouts, uh, they learned that he or they thought that he played under 280 pounds. And this year he was playing at nose tackle because without going off too much on a tangent, Houston's defensive coordinator had no idea what he was doing. If you're putting Ed Oliver at nose tackle, like that's not a good idea. And especially if he's playing at like 270 pounds. So I think the biggest thing with him is his size uh, that to go with that. He has, I mean, people are concerned about his length. I don't know if that's actually something to be concerned about. If you watch this film, like I think you're at that point, you're just kind of nitpicking to find something that's wrong with him. Because if you watch his film, he gets off the ball, he disrupts plays, and the fact that he requires double and triple teams on a regular basis for most of his college career says that he's he's worth the pick that he's going to get picked at. Now, people, mostly fans, are probably going to bring up jacket gate, if you want to call it that. And honestly, that's not it's not an issue. It's a one-time thing. Like There's been nothing else that would make you concerned about him throughout the rest of his career. So I think that's just going to – everybody's going to forget about that, and he's he's not going to be Aaron Donald because they're, they're, they're different players, even though they get compared to a lot. But he's going to be a successful NFL player. Uh, to pick you back off of Joe, I mean, he said top 15. I wanna, I'll go as far to say I think he'll be in top 10. Uh, maybe a couple months ago, I would have said top five, but it looks like, of course, all the quarterbacks are getting bumped up way earlier than they should be. And I am one of those people that think that the Cardinals are blowing a lot of smoke, hoping somebody will move up to get Kyler Murray. But to bring it back to Oliver, I mean, me and Joe, we've we've hyped on this guy for what, two and a half, three years now. We've talked about how we have felt this guy has been a top 10 talent. And what are we now? Two weeks away. I think it's about time for us to uh, pat ourselves on the back, Joe. Let's just put it that way. I mean, he, he he fits all the parts other than what Joe just said, his size. Otherwise, what else can you argue against this guy? He's well, got and he motor. makes he makes up for it with his play. Like size yeah. really isn't that big of an issue. And like I, like I was just about to say, his motor just makes up for it. I think. You know, even if he's going to be beat on a play, I mean, he's just one of those guys, all right, he'll run you down. I think one of the more impressive things that I saw lately was, I can't remember if exactly was his, his three-cone or his shuttle, was in comparison to some of the best wide receivers in the league, which is wide receivers and running backs, I should say, which is just absurd. So the guy is a freak talent. And 
this day and age where, let's be honest, there's a premium on guys who can get to the quarterback, Oliver's going to be one of those guys. So for me, he deserves to be in that top 10, no question. I can think of at least three teams that could use him in that top 10. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think I would be remiss being the the UCF grad if I didn't ask this question. And I'm going to pair it with another player, just not to make this a, a whole UCF deal, but um, I was surprised. I'm looking at the NFL Combine uh, participant list right now, and the second highest graded player, according to that website, from the American is Tristan Hill. And I mean, like, I saw his entire career, you know, having uh, went to UCF and, and still following the team. And I thought he was a nice player, but I didn't think he's the second best player. I mean, you're talking about guys like Daryl Henderson and Reichwell Armstead and, and Rocky Asin and, and uh, Tristan Hill is the second highest graded player. Just what are you guys' thoughts on that really quick? Well, I think he's – obviously, Ed Oliver steals that spotlight in that conference. You know, UCF has had their, their run of, whatever, 25 straight games winning, but I think the focus had to be more on, like, the offense and then, you know, the coaching changes. So the defense kind of gets swept under the rug, especially with the struggles in this conference to stop anybody. And I think because Hill really only started, like, one full season – I mean, he played the year before, but he wasn't a starter. I think he kind of just gets overlooked. He look If you look at him, he looks solid. But then the most surprising thing was, yeah, that grade that he got. And then he, he performed well. I think his 40 time was uh, sub five, if I remember correctly. Could be wrong. But he, he, I mean, he just, he put in the work and now he's, he's setting himself up for potentially a day two draft call. I mean, he dominated the combine from what I remember. I remember um, they uh, the guys at NFL Network, and now the McSh- or, uh, Mayock's not there. I can't remember exactly who it was. But I know they were raving about him for much of the show. So I know, I know Hill is somebody that he, he caught a lot of eyes there, obviously. And then, I mean, Joe kind of alluded to it perfectly. I mean, Oliver stole the show. That's his position. I wouldn't even say the position. I would just say the um, the entire defensive line because there's a lot of guys that I felt like in that conference that maybe got overlooked in relations to how they actually perform. No, I mean, I think personally, you know, just my two cents, I think the thing with Tristan is having gone through two different defenses between Scott Frost and, and um, Josh Heupel, maybe that affected his playing time. But, yeah, I mean, you guys mentioned it. he ran, I think it was a 4 nine forty which coming for his size is, is, is like insane. But yeah, I mean, I guess I just was surprised that, I mean, I was surprised that he actually came out and then surprised that he was graded so highly among the conference. So I uh, wish yeah, he would have stayed great. another year. Same. Same. Yeah, I'm right there. Where you mess with that. Do, is yeah, there a I'm reason good. for it? Do you know, do you know whether there's a reason for it? Was there a financial reason for it? Or he just, I haven't heard anything. Or academic reason. Who knows? Mm-hmm. All, I mean, 
just from what I've read with being, uh, you know, around the team and, and at the Orlando Sentinel and stuff like that, all I've ever read is that there were a couple of guys who just felt like this was the highest point as far as, you know, you mentioned the 25 straight wins. This is going to be the peak of UCF. The same thing with uh, Dredrick Snelson Jr. deciding to leave early. I, I think some of those guys just felt that, you know, this might have been the peak of, of the UCF exposure and why not try to capitalize on it. That makes sense. That does make sense. I'm with that. Does De'Ara King have one more year, or did I make that up? Yeah, he's a senior this year. Okay. Don't make okay. him cry. <laughs> I won't. Uh, I already cried when Ned Oliver I'm... left. Don't make me cry more. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll try. I can't make any promises, but um, just because I'm an offensive line nerd, who are, uh, who are some of the top OL prospects you guys think are going to uh, either get drafted or at least you know make a roster right away out of the American? Joe, it's your favorite favorite position group. So you want to start with them? Jesus, I don't even have any offensive linemen written down. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, the the one that's gonna that everybody's going to talk about is Trayvon Tate from Memphis, just because he got a combine the invite. Combine invite yeah, he's he's been saying a bunch of stuff on Twitter and whatnot, saying that he believes he's the best lineman in the draft and whatnot. So I I think he's the one that to keep an eye on now while i think it's funny that he's saying all these things i do think he is a solid he's a solid prospect and some team is going to get a good player in him i just don't think he's as good as he thinks he is honestly i don't know after that he's probably the only one that i will pay attention to i don't know honestly if i'll if i even will know if anybody else gets picked Uh, so and I want to like take that to the next thing. So he's building himself up, but how much of that is him looking good because of the two running backs that are also coming out in this draft from Memphis? Well, Memphis offensive line just in general was solid. You had Drew Kaiser who started for four years at center and you had two, two or three other guys that started. I had two, two other guys that started two years. So I think that had a lot to do with it. If you watch Tate's film, it's not, he doesn't like dominate anybody frequently. He has his moments, but there's not like a time where you're like, he's, he's easily the best guy on their team. I think it was a matter of, they had five good dudes up front. And also, like you said, Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor were special. Got it. You guys mentioned the Memphis running backs. Uh, let's just, you know, the elf in the room. Daryl Henderson, uh, is he the best running back that is going to come from the G5 ranks? Ever or this year? <laughs> not not ever in, in this draft class. Oh, well, that's, that's Joe telling you what he thinks about Henderson right there because he thinks he's great. <laughs> I think he is great because he used to be – so two years ago – Two and three years ago, he used to just be a speed guy. And obviously, you saw his speed this year. But if you watched him from two years ago and three years ago to this year, or to this past year, I should say, you would see how like he added weight. He worked on his uh, his pass-catching ability. like He made himself a well-rounded running back. And I think that's the biggest thing that is the, it's the biggest reason why I'm so high on him is he has the speed already, which you can't, I mean, you can teach to a point 
and you can work on, but he's got that breakaway speed that you just, you just can't teach. And to the other things that he needed to work on were things that he could work on or learn from a coach and whatnot. So I, it's just, he put it all together this year and the fact that he had almost 2000 yards rushing and, and uh, Patrick Taylor had a thousand yards rushing like that, that, that says a lot about how good they are. The game that really summed it up for me was the American championship game. You know, I got a chance to cover that one for underdog dynasty. And I mean, you guys saw how you just took over the game. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely impressed by him. I mean, I guess heading into the year, I thought that Reichel Armstead was right there with him, but no, he was head and shoulders away, uh, far away better than, than Reichel Armstead in my opinion. Don't say that to Joe too loud. No, well, I was just about to agree with you, actually. I mean, <laughs> obviously, the, I'm the Temple alum here, and I, I've loved everything we've gotten from Armstead, but there, I can't have any argument with that. I mean, Henderson is just a game changer. Uh, I mean, me and Joe have talked about how we feel like Armstead has been more of a guy that, you know, gets you your first downs when you need them, and... Honestly, I'll be honest, I was surprised by his 40 time being the fastest or the second fastest for running backs. That kind of threw me off a little bit because that's not the Reichwell Armstead that I was used to seeing. I feel like he's not the same home run threat that Henderson is. I, mean, I feel like every time you give Henderson the ball, he's a threat to take it to the house. I never felt that way about Armstead. Unless they play Houston and he has six touchdowns. Well... I mean that's just because Houston doesn't play defense, but I kind of want to, um, I kind of want to flip this question a little bit uh, back to you guys because there is a lot of similarities I would think, especially in in body type I would say in the way that Singletary and Daryl Henderson kind of measured out. So I guess between the three of you, kind of which one of those two do you think will have? the better NFL career. You I'll say Singletary. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll say Singletary just because I think I've watched more of his tape, so I can just say that with more confidence. <clears throat> but, you know, I think they'll both have pretty decent careers. I, I honestly was surprised. Uh, I, you know, having had a chance to see both of them in person, I was surprised how similar like body frame and build they are. They are really similar in size. I think Devin might be like five seven, whereas Daryl Henderson's like five nine. But I mean, they are virtually the same in terms of just body composition. Uh, if you're asking me, maybe because you know, just take back off what Lonergan said as far as having seen uh, more of Devin Singletary, I probably would lean more towards Devin. But I also think maybe I'm a little biased, but I think Daryl Henderson had more at his disposal at Memphis in terms of talent around him. And I think that Devin Singletary more or less, not that FAU doesn't have talented guys like Harrison Bryant and Javon Durante, um, Willie Wright, et cetera. But I mean, like Devin Singletary was kind of the man. So um, I think the only knock against Devin is that he had a lot of carries. Whereas uh, Daryl Henderson did get a chance to share the load with Patrick Taylor, but all in all, I, I'd go with, uh, I'd go with Devin. By by a slight edge. 
I'm the opposite, but I'm I'm probably biased because I didn't watch. I'm like I'm like Londrigan. I don't I I'm the opposite. I didn't watch Devin a lot. I watched Daryl every single game, so that's why I say him. This popped into my head as we were talking. Are there any good G five tight ends in this draft now that we're thinking about it? Because like I can't think of any from CUSA. I, you know, there's none from the Sun Belt. Are there any I good have, American ones that I'm missing? Uh, I have one written down, and that's only because I saw him in one mock draft. It is uh, <clears throat> McCants from USF, and I think me and Joe can both say like he's never really done anything spectacular to make me think that he's worth being drafted. But he popped up in one of the mock drafts that I saw. Well, and he played receiver at USF, but he's so big. Like yes. he just gained again. That's gain, that's gain. why, like, yeah, he was listed at tight end, and that's why I was like, I don't even know if I want to write him down as a tight end because that's not the what one I game that he did well was the 2017 game against UCF. He had like 200 yards receiving and like three touchdowns or something, something insane. But that's pretty much it. So no, yeah, I, to answer your question. I actually was surprised that you guys mentioned um, McCants, but you didn't mention that he played receiver at USF. Because, yeah, I mean, he's, he's like 5'10", 5'11", 240. Um, That's a so, big I mean, like, dude. He, he, is, he is a wide dude. I'm, I'm trying yes. to think of who would be an NFL comp. Um, come on, I'm having a brain fart right now. Um, tight end, he used to play, be with, with Tennessee, um, played the 49ers. Delaney Walker. Delaney, there we go, Delaney Walker. I like but Delaney Walker may be like six two, six three. But I just remember Delaney Walker came in as a wide receiver and kind of just fell into that tight end role and, and had a nice career. So maybe that could be a comp. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> outside of that, yeah, I, I can't think of anything else for uh, for McCants. I guess a better way to phrase that question would have been: Are there is there a tight end in the conferences that we cover? Because I, you know, obviously we don't sit and watch the Mountain West and stuff every weekend. Mm. Joe, uh, Lonard, let me ask you this. Uh, if Harrison Bryant have come out this year, I mean, do you think he would have been far and away as far as the conference we covered the best? Because, I mean, I, it was it was neck and neck as far as whether he was going to come out or stay. I think he would have been a nice prospect and probably will be next year. Yeah. You know, it's not like um... – it's not like the year before where the Juracek from Marshall was like, you know, far and away. There, there were, you know, it was probably Bryant and like, uh, you know, like one or two other guys in those offenses that uh, that really kind of couldn't really get much else going passing wise, like uh, like WKU did two years ago. Um, but yeah, it was probably him, if we're being honest. I've got a question for the American guys. Is there anyone who wasn't invited to the combine who we, you know, should be paying attention to or, or should know um, the end of the draft? I'll let Joe answer that because there's one guy I think we really agreed on. I've got two, but I think the one that we uh, agreed on was the Delvin Randall yep. from Temple. Um, then for me, the other one is another Temple guy, and that was Michael Dogby who, I mean, he lit up the the Senior Bowl. And just to be honest, he, he was one of the few that was kind of stunned to not get an invite and then did one did so once again at the Pro Day for Temple. 
But yeah, I think both me and Joe both will say that Delvin Randall, I mean, four year starter, literally owns so many records at Temple. I don't even know where to start. Uh, a guy that honestly, I mean, just considering how Temple has almost a lineage now of safeties coming out almost every year, I thought it was almost a guarantee that he would at least get an invite to the combine. But for some strange reason, that didn't pan out that way. I personally think he will get drafted day three. If not, he's going to be a steal as an undrafted free agent. Well, and it's not like he, it's not like he just had these stats and he doesn't like physically, he doesn't look good. Like, guy can hit he can run his ball skills and i don't know i think he fits all he fits everything right that's why i was stunned he he fits everything that you're looking for in his safety the stats the measurables everything uh like i said a four-year starter which i mean in college football i mean let's be honest you don't see a lot of four-year starters at defense especially and he did that for temples who had one of the top passing defenses and that is a lost art in college football right now. And he was the leader on that passing defense. So that's why it kind of surprises me. Granted, he did have some help. I guess this is the point where I bring up Rocky Sin, who's looking like he might be a first round pick. He definitely would probably go in the second round if not. And that's another guy who, he, I mean, he showed up on Temple's campus uh, maybe 10 months ago. And we didn't even know what this guy was going to be considering he was coming Presbyterian. And like I said, he might go in the first round part of Temple's amazing secondary that they had up there. For some reason, Randall's not getting a nod. So yeah, that for me is the one huge snub that I didn't understand as far as the combine. It almost brings, I mean, almost brings back to, uh, to screen Griffin, because if you think about Griffin didn't get an invite, until there was like all that outrage about him, you know what I mean? But he was one of those guys that like like going into the year or going into the, the original combine thing. You're like, how is he not getting any love when he's one of the better players in the American? I don't know if it's like they're trying to slight the American. I, I don't understand what's the point in that. Nine guys from the American, I think, is not enough, personally. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. Go ahead. I don't have anything more to add to that. Joe pretty much said everything that needed to be said about about Randall and then his opinion on the number of prospects. I just was going to quickly piggyback off that and say uh, it's funny you mentioned that because I completely agree with you. I I think a lot of the, the, you know, quote-unquote small conference or non-power conference guys get overlooked. I mean, there's a couple of guys in CSA who, you know, I, I won't go through a list of all of them, but there are a couple of guys who I think, based off their playing career, at least could have earned combine invites because if they're not going to get the senior, uh, senior bowl, or, you know, the um, RV East West Bowl, or East West Shrine Bowl, uh, should get a chance to showcase their talent. You know, a guy like uh, Josiah Toafala from um, UTSA who just did nothing but tackle people for three years. Um, I feel like he deserves an invite. I don't know if uh, if Lon is going to agree or disagree, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I think nine from the American and, and seven or eight, I believe, from CUSA is a little uh, a little light. I mean, yeah, I. <coughs> <coughs> oh, sorry, but um, Queso. yeah, no, I'm 
<laughs> I didn't even have anything in my mouth that time. Um, no, just I would say with, uh, you know, Josiah. Yeah, I would say if there's like one other guy that probably deserved an invite out of CUSA, it was probably him. But I mean, th- this was just kind of a light year for the for the league. I think there there were a lot of guys in this league who I think made made fine college football players, but you can just kind of you can say with a certain degree of confidence that there there's not you know a spot for them in the NFL at least at least right now. But you know, I think I think with, with at least in terms of CUSA, I think they got it pretty much right. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. I don't think I have any more questions about the American stuff. You guys pretty much covered everything I was curious about. Cool. So who would, and then, well, Joe Lonergan had brought up Jalen Moore before in the Sun Belt, but we can kind of tie in FCS and the Sun Belt together since they're basically the same, in my opinion, anyways. Okay. No, two shots fired. Uh, <laughs> So it, we can talk about Jalen Moore, but is there anybody else in the Sun Belt or even in the FCS level that you guys are interested in? Oh man, let me grab my notes. I, I should have done this on the instead of doing it on the fly. There well, the one I guess I have one question that I want to ask is: so Easton Stick from NDSU is coming out, and I feel like he's getting kind of like the NDSU Carson Wentz treatment. Um, granted, you know he's a projected seventh round pick, but I don't know if you guys have watched him at all. But does anybody feel like he can be like Carson Wentz, or do you think he's just he's just not not good enough? There's only one Carson Wentz. Well, That's thanks, Thanks, Einstein. <laughs> I, I haven't seen a ton of them, but I mean, like, I just felt it's, I, I agree with you. Like, it's the NDSU thing. Like, all right, you know, Carson Wentz, then we got Easton Stick. Um, even Wentz was a guy who, like, I didn't really fall in love with until the combine and whatnot. But, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a far reach to go from Carson Wentz to Easton Stick. So, uh, maybe career backup at best. Yeah, I think he yeah, just I mean, more I mean, of – go ahead. Sorry. All I was going to say was I think just with, with quarterbacks, it, it was kind of this way the year Wentz got drafted too. There's just clear needs, you know what I mean? I guess like each team – you could see which teams were clearly going to be looking for QB1 going into it, and I think that's more or less the same here. And I think there's just more – you know, higher profile guys who are probably going to fill that role before you get to, before you get to the guys like, you know, like this kid, <laughs> you know. I mean, for me, it's more, he, you know, he, he's the Competing beneficiary of North Dakota state just being so dominant for so long. That's the way I see it. I mean, he's just been the next quarterback in line to keep North Dakota state's legacy of winning going, but that's, I think it's just more the numbers are helping them out than the play. And we've seen that with plenty of quarterbacks over the years. Right. That's what I figured. Eric, you were going to say, you were going to talk about a safety. 
Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I had to grab my notes. I got them a little mixed up here. But the FCS safety I was talking about was uh, Nasir Adderley from Delaware. I don't know if anyone um, has even heard of him, but um, he had He's a, a uh, beast. That kid's a yeah, monster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, you know, picked off Tyree Jackson uh, a handful of times at the Senior Bowl, but he was the one guy who just from, you know, uh, doing a little research. And I, I ended up seeing a Delaware game uh, this year on an FIU bye week. And he just stood out, like you said, just all over the field. So that's a guy who I know he uh, like injured his hamstring at uh, at pro day during his first forty yard mm-hmm. dash. But he's a guy who's he may very well be a day one pick if you know all things uh, fall his way. Yeah, I've seen him for the most part in a lot of the uh, in day ones. Anywhere most I've seen him around the, in twenty twenty five range. Uh, he gets a lot of hype from. Here in Maryland, just because Delaware is, you know, it's not that far away, and uh, and as a Baltimore guy, the Ravens could use him. As a Philly fan, they're talking about him too. So I, I've been seeing a lot of talk about this kid. So and he always seems to pop up on whether it be Facebook or Twitter or whatever that be. And I always see these videos. And I'm like, man, this kid is. He, I mean, he's damn good. I, I I see why there is a lot of hype about him, and it, honestly it kind of does shock me that he was a Delaware kid that he wasn't picked up by any of these other colleges. I mean, kind of like Rocky sin, how, you know, he went from Presbyterian to a bigger program. I'm kind of surprised that he did not. So is this the Joe Flacco effect, like the Carson Wentz effect, right? Cause he went to Delaware. So it's Joe Flacco's, you know, is it the reason that he's getting drafted? So I, right. Same no. thing. Carson Wentz for no. Easton Stick. Yeah, I, no. Oh, come on, man. But they, don't, they don't play the same position. One. I mean, where do you want to start there? Well, he has to guard. I mean, Joe, Joe, Fla- Joe Flacco is a legend at Delaware. Let's just be honest. I mean, that guy's a legend there. That's true. But he wasn't good enough to beat Palco or whatever that guy's name was. Who was that pit quarterback back in the day? Was it Palco? I don't know. I, I don't know if you know, but I'm not a huge pit football fan. I thought you loved him. <laughs> I don't have too many guys to talk about. Lonergan, you want to talk about Jalen Moore? Sure. Um, yeah, I think I think of the Sunbelt guys, he's probably got the best shot to make something of himself. Um, obviously, a huge part of what App State did the last two years. So I think – you know, and obviously didn't go against, you know, some of the same kind of defenses that a lot of the other running backs in this draft had the, had the benefit of going against, at least when you, you know, talk resumes or whatever. But um, yeah, no, I mean, he's got, he's got the quickness. He's got the, uh, you know, he's got the, he's got the speed, but I don't think he's, you know, I I think just the Sunbelt, you know, I, I won't say they're basically an FCS conference like you did, but I think, you know, in terms of talent there, there's not, too many people out of that league that are really blown that really blew me away this year. Well, I'm gonna agree with Joe Brobeck because it is another FCS conference. Don't tell <laughs> State fans that. But so I wanted to highlight I mean, we talked about one wide receiver before the show, and that would be Andy Isabella, the, the UMass wide receiver. I think all of us are in agreement that we really like this guy. Mm-hmm. Didn't he run like uh, a four two? Well, I have marked down here four, a four three. three. Whatever. But yeah. if he ran, it would have surprised me if he ran a he ran a four three one 
So if he ran a 4-2 at his pro day and I don't have that, that wouldn't surprise me too. But, I mean, he is he's the epitome of what the NFL is looking for right now in the slot receiver. And I think he's going to fill that role beautifully. Uh, the only knock against him I think you could really say is, is he's at a small school, but he took full advantage of that. Didn't he have 200 yards against Georgia? He did. He had like 209 against Georgia. Yeah, and he had like 303 against like Liberty or something like that. Wow. (laughs) Right? Am I? I'm looking it up. No, no, you're you're 303. Yeah, yeah, you're right. 13 catches for 303 yards and three touchdowns or whatever. No, you're, I mean, from what I remember, I think you're correct on that one. Then the other wide receiver that kind of, kind of stuck out to me and it made me really do a serious double take so i'm going through the list of prospects and i see a a reggie white jr wide receiver from monmouth and i'm like wait a second wait a second not that reggie white's kid right well i also learned that there was did you guys know there was another reggie white in the nfl yeah i didn't know that do your research man come on Apparently, well, now I know that after doing my research. <laughs> but apparently, he was a defensive lineman for the Chargers and the Pats back in the day. So, like, it's just a heritage. But I, when I saw that, I immediately had to look this kid up. And I'm like, wait a second. It can't be the son of the legendary, the club, Reggie White. But no, I was, I, was, I was wrong about that. Andy Isabella had five games where he had 170 yards or more this year. And he Did had UMass make a bowl game? What's that? Did UMass even make a bowl game? No, they went four and eight. No, they went four and eight. <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I thought. Like, I don't know. That's that's that always kind of amazes me when guys put together great individual seasons like he that had, with their team. He had nine together. he had nine catches for three hundred three yards and two touchdowns against Liberty. Thirty three point seven yards per catch. Not too shabby. That's unreal. That's great. This is one of the things that I think is, is crazy about Isabella. I mean, it happened when they came down here and played FIU. Um, he put up all those numbers, and there was like, I want to say it was five or six games in which they played three different quarterbacks. Uh, let's see if I can remember all three of them. It should have been uh, Andrew Ford, Ross Comis, and, and Michael Curtis. That's so like, right. It wasn't even, yeah, it wasn't even like there was consistency with the quarterback, but he just balled out. And I was shocked that FIU, quote-unquote, held him to like 64 yards. You know, because everyone was torching that defense this year. Um, he still scored a touchdown, but yeah, I mean, like, dude is a, is a ball. So no disrespect to uh, Reggie White Jr. from Monmouth, but uh, I think Eddie Isabella is in a, a class of his own as far as um, small uh, school receivers. Zero argument with that. No, I'm just bringing up Reggie because of the name. That was the only reason why I bring up Reggie. Uh, I, all right, all right, I got you. I got you. It's still there. I got you. Does anybody else have any other small school guys they want to talk about? I got nobody. Yep. Isabella was the main guy in the Natalie. Yeah, I I have no argument with that. Isabella was the main guy. I mean, the only other thing that I really wanted, I guess, really wanted to harp on was more of like, there are some schools that I've popped up that I'm like, I've never heard before. So there was a kid from Malone. Never heard of that school. Washburn, never heard of that school. Sioux Falls, never That's heard of that school. That's a D2, school. I believe. 
It has. The, I'm pretty one? sure Washburn's a D2. I don't know about the... I'm pretty sure Washburn's a D2. I don't know about the other ones. Sioux Falls okay. is D2. Yeah, I, I, okay. thought, I thought I actually had kind of heard of Sioux Falls, but I know it wasn't a D1 program. And then I saw one from a quarterback, you know, so they obviously get more hype than anything, but Central Connecticut State. So it kind of made me think, ah. like, out, of, out, of, out of the past couple of years, like, I feel like we're seeing a lot of these like super random schools kind of pop out as of late. Like last probably, year, four yeah, guys State, that fly under like, the radar. I mean, obviously. Boy, or like guys that went to bigger schools, either got in trouble or just didn't make it, went to a smaller school and have like the physical traits to do something and just don't get the recognition because they're on whatever central Connecticut state. Who's probably like the best team in Connecticut at this point. If you, if you think about it, <laughs> not like UConn's really pushing for anything. I hope they play each other this year. Well, they don't have a quarterback anymore. Well, neither does UConn either. Yeah. The other blue devils. There you I think go. Think they're the blue devils. You can't just throw that out there and not know. I can do whatever I want, Joe. Well, you know what? I am the host. You are not. They are the Blue Devils. You're right. Except for you. Okay. There we, we go. We do what I say, okay? You're right. I'm sorry. This is your show. You're the captain now. Well, I think since Eric did most of the research, do you have uh, anybody else you want to talk about, Eric? <laughs> I'm, I'm calling on the fly, brother. Um, no, man. Uh, I'm pretty much tapped out. Oh, cool. All right. Well, we'll, let's wrap this thing up then. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for putting up with our nonsense and, you know, Joe's drive to it. I don't know. Are you driving to come see me or uh, where are you going? You're doing a lot of blinkers. Are you just driving around the block? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I just kind of drive around the block when I when I podcast to get in, (laughs) get in, uh, get in the good headspace. Perfect. No, I, I, I got errands to run. Sorry. But uh, anyway, yeah, because I'm a true professional. There you go. That's that's what we like to hear. All right. (laughs) So if you guys aren't following us already, make sure you follow Underdog Dynasty. Make sure you tune into Joe Talk and Conference USA. You guys need a name for your your part of the podcast. Do it. Eric's name is not Joe. You can call Joe Talk as well. Uh, Yeah, I I wasn't. I wasn't privileged enough to join the uh, little Joe Club there. We'll honor you today. You're an honorary. (laughs) Is Is your middle name Joseph? No, it, 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 is, it, it is not. It is not Joseph. Uh, oh, I, I already have the whitest name ever to begin with, but it's not Joseph. So, <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Oh man! All right. So, like I said, if you are not listening to us already, give us give us a listen. We kind of know what we're talking about every once in a while, unless you ask like certain fan bases. Uh, which I have already named at the beginning of this show. Uh, if you want to follow these guys, you can follow Joe Lonergan at Joe Ohio underscore. Not sure why the underscore is necessary at the end, but it is. Uh, Eric Henry, you can follow at Eric C. Henry underscore. Again, I don't know. It must be a Conference USA. It's underscores. Gotta be. Don't understand that either. Joe Serpico, you can follow him at Joe Serp. Myself. Uh, you don't have to follow me if you don't want to, but if you do, Joe Brovac, pretty simple. No underscores, none of that nonsense. No, none of, none of that. Just none of that. We don't need that here. Uh, leave us a review. Say good things about 
our podcast, say bad things about Joe and Eric. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Say whatever you want. Uh, good or bad, it actually helps us. We actually really appreciate it. Uh, even if we only hear the negative side, it gives us something to either laugh at or something to work on. And with that, just like Lonzo Ball and Big Baller Brand or Magic Johnson with the Los Angeles Lakers, we are out. Did you tell people to give us a listen at the end of the podcast? Right. Yes, yeah, it did. In the future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just making sure. I heard. I heard that too, and I was like, "Wait, yeah, give us a listen from the previous already. forty-five minutes." They they need to be listening already. <laughs> <laughs>